at River Bank, we believe you can heal, grow, and fulfill God's plans for your life as the power of God touches you through this prophetic teaching by Pastor Dominion. Get excited and hop into it. So we have come to the Christian door of this series. And the series we've been taking is church growth. Say church growth. And today we are treating on family friends. Say family friends. Or leading your friends to the family of God. I tried that, B. Leading your friends to the family of God. How many of you can relate to the fact that it's easier to evangelize to an absolute stranger than to, <laughs> than to someone that is very close to you? Somebody that knew you before you got born again. How many of you can relate? Let me see. Thank you. Thank you. Someone is just easier to evangelize to people that are far than to people that you truly care about. And you're like, if I can just share my faith with you. And so that's what we're learning today. Glory to God. I should be itching for this, shouldn't you? Uh-huh. Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. And I'll read from verse 28. What we are doing simply today is, I want to teach you, listen, how to lead your friends to the family of God. I want to teach you. I hope and wish and I pray that you do what I'm going to teach you today. How to lead your friends to the family of God. John chapter 8, 4 verse 28 to 30. John 4, 28 to 30. Are you there? Thank you, Lord. Are you all there? All right, it reads. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said, Sorry, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, 29, everyone want to go. So, this, whom, this woman leaves her water jar behind, runs to the town, runs back to her town, the city of Samaria. With a message. Come see a man that told me all I ever did. Say come. Say come. That's, what she, that's all she told them. And listen, and this is so important. This is extremely important. Many of us don't realize that invitation works for people that have seen you finish than preaching. This is intelligence. Invitation will work better, will be more effective in reaching people that already know you than trying, because they're like, guy, what, what's this one you're trying to, you're not my pastor, you're not my this. Because you're their guy. 
This is someone, this woman, is someone that everybody knows her gist. You have five husbands. You are living with someone that is not your husband. What, what, what mission do you have for us? You want to tell us you are sent from God to reach your city, eh? That's what you want to tell us. You have a mandate from heaven. We know. I see you. You that I know. <laughs> but she invited them. Verse 30 says, they came out of the town and made their way towards him. And then I'm going to skip to verse 39. Look at your Bibles. The Bible says, verse 39, are you there? Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? Because of the woman's testimony. Do you see that? So, when they are recording how those people got saved, we see her contribution. Preaching won't have worked. Preaching won't have worked. But invitation did the job. And then the Bible said they believed because of her testimony. If you are going to lead your friends to the family of God, pay attention to invitation. Prioritize invitation. That's it. You might not be able to teach your mom, your dad the gospel, but you can invite them to church. You might not be able to teach your friends, your uncles, your aunties. You might not be able to teach your colleague at work. The gospel, because you won't listen, but you can invite them. It's so powerful. And if the woman did not invite those people to Jesus, they won't have had the opportunity to receive salvation. The challenge is how, we are, how much we do not see the impact of invitation in the growth and development of Christianity. Invitation was so powerful. And I'm going to show you. Invitation. So some of you are waiting to preach to the person so that the person will understand first before you invite him. That's why it's not been working. That's why it wasn't working. But invitation, oh my goodness, is so powerful. Praise the name of the Lord. And what I'm going to do is simply teach you five simple tips to invitation. Five simple tips to invitation. Number one, five simple tips to help you with invitation. You can add your own if you wish. Number one, plant a vision. Oh, this is important. Plant a vision or appeal to their greatest need. What did I say? This, let me tell you something. Visions are so powerful. They are so powerful. That's what she did. She planted in them a vision. I think I've seen the Messiah. The Messiah, the one that the prophet spoke about, the one we've been waiting for. Remember that at the well, she told Jesus, 
She says, when the Messiah comes. So everybody had an anticipation. She said, I think I've seen him. You might also want to come and see for yourself. You know, you've been looking for a good church for a while. I found one. You won't believe it until you come. Just, I'm not going to say, just confess. Plant a vision or appeal to their greatest needs. John 1, 44 to 46. John chapter 1, 44 to 46. Let me tell you something. For some of you, this is going to be the most revolutionary thing you've heard on evangelism. Because you truly want to evangelize and you have people in your heart. The problem is that when you look at it, you're like, how am I going to do it? The people I truly want to preach to, I don't know how I can come about in putting the message of, you know, the gospel and all of this. Invitation. Are you in John 44? John 144? 44 to what? All right. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one, listen, Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets wrote. So this is powerful. So Philip tells Nathaniel, guy, you know the person that Moses wrote about in all the laws? Say yes. And the one that the prophet spoke about? Say yes. The one we've been anticipating. I think I found him. You found the one that in all age we've been looking for. The person with all the true deliverer we've all been waiting for. These guys were not waiting for a new president. They were not waiting for a new king. They were waiting for the one that... So their nation was being disturbed by the Roman authority. They were under the Roman tyranny. And they wanted a king. They wanted a deliverer. And so, they already knew about what Moses did in Egypt. And Moses said, someone like me is coming. And then the Lord had said through David, that I would raise a king from your lineage. So they were already expecting. Ah! David never lost a battle. Moses scattered Egypt. These two people combined in one person. Ah, we are waiting. When is this king going to come? And now he says, I think I found him. That was the most important thing Nathaniel ever had in his life. That finally, it's like when the children of Israel were in Egypt and they say, Moses has come. Our deliverer is here. Nothing is more important, literally. You know that, right? The person that is going to punish Pharaoh for us is here. With the mandate from God and the power of God. He planted that vision. He appealed to his greatest need. You know that thing you've been saying about how you've not been able to pray? You should join my church devotion. It's, it's, it's a conference call. We pray and it's online. It's data. It's not expensive. Since I started, I can say I've been consistent in my prayer life. No up and down anymore. Planting a vision and appealing to their greatest need. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Also look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 20. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I would make you to fish for people. He says, at once, they left. There was no special sermon. He didn't need to explain the gospel to them. It was invitation. Realize that Peter, that we know today, did not follow Jesus because he evangelized to him, but because he invited him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Peter that now became the first pope and now led the church after the ascension of Jesus came by invitation. It's powerful. You would think that if the person comes by invitation, he won't be rooted, he won't be grounded. No. Praise the name of the Lord. He just said, come and follow me. That's all he said. And then him, Peter, being in Jesus' ministry was how he grew and established to become the leader he became. So when you know there's a call on someone's life, you invite the person. Because the local church is God's structure for equipping the saints for maturity. I hear what I'm saying. So when you know that you have a friend, for example, that is wayward, quote-unquote, you know that the local church is God's structure for building and establishing the person. You just say, come. Come the way you are. And you hear what I'm saying? That's what he said. He just told Peter, come. Same thing in John chapter four, 1, where we're coming from. John 1, 40 to 41. John 1, verse 40. This one also is about planting a vision. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two people that heard John, that's John the, the Baptist, when he said, when he had said, and who had followed Jesus. Verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was that, Sorry? The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Can you see that? Invitation. So, Andrew, Peter, Simon, all of them, invitation was what brought them. Invitation was what brought them. Praise the name of the Lord. Number two, perseverance. Say perseverance. Now, this is important. There's a meme I saw um, some days ago where, you know these paramedics that carry people on football, actual football, he's not the one in your school, went on in just, and then they carried the person on a stretcher, I think that's what it's called, and then the person was running. Then the one in front, I think asked the one at the back, ah, what did do the guy now when he faints? He said the guy refused to pray. From the, the joke was from Luke 18 1. Watch and, sorry, pray. Uh -huh. You ought to, what's it again? You ought to always pray and not faint. <laughs> so, 
Perseverance is important. Well, that's what that scripture is about. Watch and pray. He said you ought to pray always. Say always. He says, and not faint. And then Jesus gave a parable of perseverance. Staying on the matter. Not that you invite the person now. You now invite him six months later. Haba. The impact is not there. Do you get what I'm saying? Perseverance. The person says, oh, this, this, this came up. You're like, oh, that's fine. There's next week. Our church is not once a year. You can come next week. You stay on it. Let me tell you something. Many of you would see more results in your evangelical ministry. And by that, I mean inviting people, right? If you persevere. If you are systematic. So you call the person on Sunday, for example, and then you call the person on Wednesday. Not that you only call the person 8 a.m. on Sunday. Say, how far? I want you to come to my church. The guy, I'm sleeping, please. They're like, okay, no problem, no problem. Our church is not once a year. <laughs> then the next time you call is the next Sunday, 8 a.m. Haba. Do you get what I'm saying? You have to be systematic about it. You have to follow up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ladies understand these things. Guys that don't follow up, they just, they just come so far. They don't respond, it just goes. The next day, he now comes back and talks again. You're not going to take him seriously. So, the past three months, you're not talking to anybody. You just went. You're alone with God, right? And then you've come back. Persevere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number four. Sorry, number three. Wisdom. Say wisdom. Wisdom. <laughs> wisdom works arm in arm with perseverance. There's just way to know that this person is not serious. It's sad, but it's true. That you just follow up on the person and they just say, look, this person, there's no... All this, when the person starts giving some kind of excuses, jiggets, Say, ah, I don't have transport. They say, oh, don't worry, I'll come and pick you up. The person now say, my house. You will climb mountain. Then you now use ferry. You know those boats that carry cars? You now use that one. You now go. I'm, you have to come 24 hours before. Because my house, it takes 12 hours to come and come back. They say, I will do it. There's nothing I'm doing on Saturday. I'll come and pick you. person now say, in fact, this week I'm not staying in my house. They say, okay, where are you staying? They say, I'm staying. Ah, that place is even closed. I say, no, I'm staying with a friend. I won't want you to. You just know when someone is not interested and it's okay. I hear what I'm saying? It's wisdom to realize that some people would be assimilated into Christ and your church slowly. I hear what I'm saying? They, will, they might just come once in a while. Not that somebody just wants to say, okay, let me just try this Christ thing you've been talking about. Then you heap everything on him. You tell him you will fast every Wednesday. Then every Friday, vigil. Then you must read the book of Romans at least once every week. Ah, uh ah. -uh. 
what I'm saying? There's wisdom to these things. Somebody that is just trying to live the worldly life, he's just trying to, his leg has not fully left. You say you should attend the crib conference. Five hours. Uh-uh. <laughs> Even you, were you not tired after the conference? You now tell the person. So after a crib conference, the word we've heard, we will pray tonight. Now you say he's not picking your calls. How will he pick your calls? Wisdom. I hear what I'm saying? Listen. Even as a business person, you are strategic about assimilating customers. Retention. You must be that way. I hear what I'm saying. You must be smart about this thing. How am I going to approach this person? How am I going to put, you know, gentle reminders? Not that you are all up in the person's face. Once he sees you in the DM, he knows this is what you're about to talk about. No. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. In all honesty, in all honesty, learn to love people genuinely. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Learn to love them genuinely. Whether they finally decide to be invited or not, learn to truly care and love people. Let me say this. There's this guy that sends me a message every single day. At first, I didn't know what he was doing. So I got his number. And then he will greet me, good morning. I'm not a very chatty person for many reasons. Largely because I have a lot of work. I can't, I can't just stay and be chatting. <laughs> There's too much work to do to be chatting, you know. So, he will send me, good morning. I'll say, good morning. How are you? Fine. I thought he had something to say. Nothing really. Then after a while, I realized, after like four days, I realized that, you guys like this, eh? <laughs> I realized that he has a product he's selling. So he sent me, he said I can buy. I'm like, oh, I already have. I don't need to buy. And all. Following day. So I think he has a template already. Day one, this is how I'll do. Day two is this. Day three, this. Day four, this. Day five, this. Day six, this. So... The following day, after I said I had, he just sent the picture of the product and said I can buy with the good morning. I'm like, every day, good morning. This is this, this. And then, as we are, as you are thinking it's going somewhere, hey, there's this product that you have. Let's not be obsessed with ourselves and our motives. That's why I said, appeal to their greatest need not your greatest need not that my church we have prophesied and prayed that by the end of august we will be 100 so you have to come that's your business you and your pastor is your business are you hear what i'm saying learn to love people for who they are it's very important to let people know you care about them let what touches them touch you. Learn to be thoughtful. Just think about the people. And say, how is this person doing? Do you get what I'm saying? 
That's important. Praise the name of the Lord. And then, just like as if it needs to be said, actually invites them. You know that there's a way you can be thinking of inviting someone that three weeks to pass and you've not talked to the person yet. Go ahead and invite them. Because for many of us, we've not even taken step, we've not even talked to the person at all. You have it in mind. I'm praying about it. That's what we say. I'm praying about it. You are strategizing, but you never get to talk to anybody. Do you know it's a problem? The fact that you pray about the spread of the gospel, you believe in it, you want to evangelize. Now you are learning how to evangelize to people you truly care about. But for God's sake, please talk to them. Many of us are too scared to talk. Invite them. Let me tell you something. There are some people you should just invite to, for tribe meetings. So there's what we call tribe meetings in, um, in Riverbank Church. Um, it's what the Bible calls house to house, right? And what people generally call cell meetings. You know what it is, right? Exactly. Our cell meetings are different because they are actually designed for impacts. They are designed to help you connect with people you truly care about. And also to grow. Why? Listen, they are just designed as soft landing spaces. Let me tell you, I think our cell meetings are largely just accountability groups. And those things, support groups. Remember we were talking about support groups one time. Support groups. Let me tell you, support groups. They're one of the most important. You know people that will say, this is my two friends. I can, I can, I can, I can give my life for them. It's just because they are support groups. That's all. So, that's what our cell groups are. They're just support groups to help you with your growing. I don't talk much during the cell meeting. I don't, I'm not the anchor. I don't do anything. I just contribute to every other person is contributing. And so, we share just our experiences. It's a safe place to be vulnerable because all of us there are vulnerable. You might one day just come and it might, say it's on Saturday. I just hear me say, I have not even prayed this week, oh. <laughs> and I say, ah, but you should tune into devotion every day. And he says, there's a reason why I'm muted. And it's because I'm asleep. <laughs> I'm kidding. And then, because sometimes we just need to be very honest with ourselves. Remember I always say this, that in church, we put on our Sunday best and we pretend. But that's one of the things we are trying to break in Riverbank Church. In our vision is that we want you to heal from hurt, from struggles. You cannot heal without vulnerability. That's the first step. That you are open. That you are open. That we can talk about our struggles. That we can talk about how sometimes the prayer is not... Walking the way we think he should. Praise the name of the Lord. That everything... Have you gotten to a point where everything is just overwhelming? You just, you just log out. 
your devotion alarm goes off, you just stop it and move on. They announce mm, devotion is going on. Tune in. They put fire smiley. That's your business. You just go to Instagram. Have you been in that point before? Thank you. And so we are like, what can we do? You do you know that burnout is a real concept. How many of you know what burnout is? That you just are absolute. Not that you don't love God. You are just absolutely disinterested. Let me tell you something. As a pastor, my off day is on Monday. On Monday, I do nothing official. Monday is my Saturday. You know the way you guys have Saturday as rest days? That's my Monday. I don't go to the office on Monday. I don't do any church work on Monday. I just stay with my wife and we just rest. That's what we do on Mondays. Because you see, we... <laughs> you see, weekend leading to, to Monday is hectic. You don't want to know what I do before Sunday services. Because if I don't do that, I'm going to burn out. Last week, in fact, last week, I was so burnt out. Was it last week? I think it was last week. I was like, let me just, I'm being honest with you. Let me just come to church, preach and go to home. I, I, I was absolutely disinterested. I was not interested in anything. But did you know? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So Monday like this, we just started watching movies. I think I was the one that was doing, my wife was walking. Because she's, she's, she's becoming too serious now. <laughs> I just, I just started watching movies. From one movie to the other to the other. She was just there. She was beside me. I was just watching. Because I just needed. And then I think we also wanted to go out. It was, those things are important. Let me tell you. Prayer will not fix that burnout I was, I was feeling. If I pray, I'll be more burnt out. <laughs> I'm serious. There's a time of burnout you have that you need to pray. But it's the kind of burnout you would have that you need to have fun. You need to go out. Praise the name of the Lord. So, that's what, that's where, that's, our tribe meetings create this kind of environment. In all honesty, in all honesty, tribe meeting is what has opened me up. That's why I can say these things. Have you ever heard me say these things? Exactly. So it's working for me, Abby. <laughs> so there are people that you should just invite for tribe meetings. Are you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about inviting people. There are people you should just invite. And then they're just hearing people sharing. Sharing their experience. Sharing their perspective. Sharing their struggles. Sharing what they do. Let me tell you something. Do you know that as a pastor, if you do not realize that there are different types of burnouts, there's burnouts that you've preached so much, you've done so much, you know, because as you're preaching, you're releasing energy that you'll be so empty, you need to pray and read the Bible because you feel so empty. And so that kind of burnout, you need to go and read your Bible, you need to go and pray. If you don't realize that that burnout is different from the burnout where you need to leave your Bible and have fun. You will get into trouble. Do you know that? Oh, you guys are not pastors. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, what I'm saying is this. 
those opportunities like our tribe meeting creates that opportunity to say, oh, there's something like this. Oh, there's this type. And maybe some of you have felt it too. You lead devotion, you anchor service, you do this one. Then there's your job, then there's your work, there's your business, there's family. And you are so burnt out. And even as you are praying, it looks like it just gets worse. And then you realize, oh, phone is one of the ways to heal too. So take advantage of those. Invite people for tribe meetings. Some people from there, it would help. What you are thinking is my preaching that will do. It's just somebody's saying their own story that's going to change it. You get what I'm saying? That's important. Remember that it was the testimony of the woman at the well that began convincing those people about Jesus. You get what I'm saying? Exactly. So, what's number one? Uh uh-uh. uh, what's number one? What's number two? Number three? Number four? Yeah, actually invite them. <laughs> yeah, actually invite them. Right? It could be services, it could be tribe meetings. Actually invite them. Number five and the final one is prayer. Say prayer. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Please open your Bibles. Verse 3 and verse 4. Glory to God. This is important. Look at this one. Oh my goodness. You need to learn this one. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. He says, And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. He says, the God of this age has blinded their minds, the blind minds of the unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel displayed, that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, you have to realize how powerful this is. That there is the light of the gospel that displays the glory of God. You would think nothing can stop the glory of God from being seen. But he says that the God of this world can blind the minds of people. So you will be preaching a good word and they will just not get it. You will be appealing to their greatest need. Have you seen that kind of thing before? We are telling someone what they actually need. And you are like, look, at this point, your village people are on your case. Have you seen ladies like that? That you are like, this guy is weary. He will just break your head. And they will say, no, no, no. I have to go back to that relationship. I believe there's something. (laughs) So, there is the glory of God. The light of the glorious gospel. You would think once it's shining, every heart, it will penetrate every heart and transform it and expel darkness from the heart and light will be in their heart. They'll be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He says, if our gospel is hid, the reason is because the God of this age has blinded the minds of people. So in prayer, 
What do you do? Paul said that I ask the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that he grant unto you the spirit of knowledge and understanding that the eyes of your hearts will be filled with light. He's praying that that thing that the devil has done in the person's heart is taken away. It is so powerful. So words, you know, oratory will not cut this. Convincing teaching will not cut this. Psyching the person, bribing the person, doing whatever you want to do will not cut it. You need to pray that the light of the gospel penetrates that barrier. That the strongholds holding that person down is taken away. Paul said, I pray that by the spirit of God, the eyes of your hearts. It's not that if God wants the person to know it, he will know it. It's not true. No, there's the participation of man. You get what I'm saying? So you pray. And actually pray. Let me tell you something. You have to realize that there's an actual God. There's an actual God of this world that is blinding the heart of the person. And there's the power of prayer that can take it away. So, this is it. You are fighting a battle you will win. I hear what I'm saying? You are fighting a battle you win because it says the power that is at work in you was the power that raised Christ from the dead. When the gods of this world thought they would stop him, that power that is at work in you was manifested and it took him from the dead, brought him back to life. So that power has been tested on that force before and it prevailed. The force is not stronger. The power is not less powerful. The God of this world have not become stronger since the resurrection of Jesus. And the power of God that raised Jesus is not less potent. So that power has dealt with that demon before. And so you are fighting a battle from a place of victory. I've won, this power has won this battle before. It will win it in this case. So that's your perspective. That the God of this world, even though you've blinded the hearts of this person, in the name of Jesus, I declare that your eyes are open. That in your heart you are receptive. Every blockage is taken away. That's how you're praying. You are praying with a power that has done it before. Pray, pray, pray. Listen, when exactly... Have you chosen that is the time you pray for the person? That's one of the things we've not learned in this generation. And this is one of the things that the previous generation knew to do. Do you hear a parent saying, I prayed until every member of my family got saved? How many of you have heard those kind of things? I prayed until everybody. Have we done it? These people did it when they were in university. You guys are in university. Many of you. Some of us have graduated. So they were around our phase in life when they handled the salvation of everybody through prayer. You know better than them. Why are you not doing better? You must decide when exactly. I want to invite this person and this person and this person. When exactly will I pray? And this is one of the reasons why our devotion platform is very important. Because in there, we have opportunities for that. We have slots for that. Where we pray for people who are inviting. So imagine that you have the privilege to pray for them every day, morning and evening. Oh my goodness. 
Now we pray for other things like the natural aspect of our life. But now we've helped you. Hey, God. Like, a village people must be strong. Do <laughs> you get what I'm saying? We've helped you. Take advantage of the opportunity. Pray. Tune in and pray. That's all you need to do. Let me tell you something. When you tune in, don't just mute and sleep like me. I don't do that. Come on. You hear my voice, don't you? <laughs> so, you tune in. You pray. The devotion is 30 minutes. The slot for that might just be 5 minutes, but it's powerful. It's powerful. And then, oh my goodness. Let me tell you something. When you begin to do it, then you see the person's heart change. You are like, wait. I prayed for this person. The person's heart changed. Okay. You pray for another person. The person's heart changed. After a while, you would hack prayer in your own life. That's what you people don't realize. That the reason why people think the prayer of pastors are powerful is because they started the way I'm telling you to start. They pray for somebody. They see a miracle. They pray for another person. They see a miracle. They say, ah. They now, so they've hacked it now. Because now, remember, you're praying from a point of victory. You are praying because I know that the power that I'm about to employ has been used on this force and it prevailed. So you're not praying, hoping. You know. You know that that demon, whatever is blinding the heart of the person from seeing the gospel will be taken away. You know. You are sure. So you say in the name of Jesus, light is coming to your heart. There's understanding for you. Every stronghold is taken away. Your heart is yielded. You are meant for Christ. You will not be destroyed. The power of God is working in you. So you are praying like that. And you know. Before long, you see the heart change. After a while, you would know how to pray and get results. And so after a while, you realize that and you'll be telling people, prayer is simple. It's easy to get answers if you know what to do. Do you get what I'm saying? So it benefits you at the long run. That's what I'm saying. Praise the name of the Lord. So pray. Are you hear what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. Let me encourage you. Right? Take advantage, at least as baby steps, take advantage of the devotions. The devotion period. Tune in and pray. Pray for that, your friend. Pray for that member of your family. And you hear what I'm saying? Pray. And just watch the power of God do his thing. You'll be surprised. You pray that strongholds are pulled down. You pray that their hearts are yielded. You pray that angels prod them to come. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, I think verse 7 or 14, that his angels are ministering spirits. He sends them to minister to those that will be, who would inherit salvation. That's what he does. They walk in helping people as it pertains to salvation. That thing is very powerful. <laughs> you pray that there's understanding and transformation. Ah, I've told you growth is a gift. The Bible says it is him that is at work in you. He's giving you the desire and enabling you to do the things that please him. 
He's at work in you. So now you are praying that the God is at work in them. He's propelling them to compliance. He's transforming their lives. And then after a while, you just realize that the person's heart is changed. His life is transformed. The power of prayer. Sometimes, and I'm going to end here, many times, sometimes you don't realize that the reason why people are unserious is the work of the devil. We don't realize. We think it's just natural. This is why I say sometimes talking will not cut it. So Jesus told Peter, he says, the devil wants to sift you as wheat. Right? So, you know how you sift something? You guys don't cook. Do you cook? You know how you do it, right? And then, the chaff falls and then, this one is the weighty one, right? The devil takes the weighty thing away. And then all is left in life of the person is chaff. So, you now see the person majoring on minor. Things that are meant to be serious, the person will just not be serious. You now start hearing excuses like, why didn't you come to church? You say, ah, I didn't iron my clothes. You're like, iron. <laughs> or, I didn't feel like. And then you are saying there's a devil that is trying to destroy you. You didn't feel like. Now, sometimes, I've told you the excuses might be legitimate, but they are not excusable. So, when Jesus told Peter, the devil wants to save you, what happened? They were meant to pray. Peter was legitimately tired, so he slept. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But behind that weakness of flesh, there was a devil that was at work. And so he says, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. So Peter was legitimately tired. Given, that's a given. But the devil was also at work. Because he knew that if Peter did not pray, the temptation coming in front of him is going to fall. So Jesus prayed for, it was the prayer of Jesus that sustained Peter. It's not that ah, Peter now remembered that Jesus said you deny me three times, then he now went to go and pray. No, it was because Jesus prayed. Jesus said, when you, are, when you stand up, strengthen your brethren. I have prayed. It was the prayer of Jesus that kept Peter. But there was a devil. And Peter was absolutely oblivious of the fact that the devil was there. Do you know that? So in the place of prayer, there's descending of spirits. And then you can handle it and see the power of God walk in the lives of people. Glory to God. Please rise up on your feet.